The book of Proverbs tells parents that withholding correction from their child means they're actually not showing true love towards them. Here's the senior pastor of Gospel City Church, Trent Griffith, shooting straight about parenting. Some of you would say, oh, I just love my little sweetie so much, I could just never dream of telling them no. You would never think of telling a child no or saying, no, that's enough, or you can't have that. It's not good for you, or you need to stay within this boundary. I know everybody else is doing it. You can't do it, and you did it, so here's a consequence. Some of you say, I could never. I love him so much. I just can't give him consequences. Look at the verse, folks. Your problem is not that you love him too much. Your problem is you love him too little. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith. I'm Aaron Paulus. So do you remember your favorite subject in school? It was English, right? Well, chances are pretty good that somewhere around the fourth grade, you learned about ways you can make comparisons between things using either similes or metaphors. Does this ring a bell? So for example... You learn that a simile uses the words like or as. So if I say the ground is as wet as a soaked sponge, it's a simile. You know, someone once got silly with similes and wrote this one in a story. She grew on him like a colony of E. coli on a slice of room temperature Canadian bacon. (laughs) Well, metaphors just say something is something else. Jesus was speaking metaphorically when he said, I am the door. He didn't mean he was literally a slab of wood attached to the house with hinges. No, he was just using a metaphor. Well, the Bible makes extensive uses of similes and metaphors, including the passage Pastor Trent is looking at this week and next week right here on Resonate. So let's listen. Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. Open your Bible to Psalm 127. Last week, we began a series called Shooting Straight on Parenting. And I've got to tell you, my children have been the best behaved this week. They've been in years. I think they got together and said, look, we all know dad's doing a parenting series and we don't want to be sermon illustrations. So we've got to get our act together for at least a few weeks here. So uh, actually, um, we're going to use all of them as sermon illustrations today. Um, Seriously, I asked my son, Scott, um, Scott, what did you learn from the sermon last week? Do you have this conversation with your kids around lunch, right? It's a little awkward when you're actually the kid of the pastor, but uh, it's a good question. So I asked Scott, Scott, what did the Lord show you in the sermon last week? And Scott said to me, he showed me that God is using me to build you, (laughs) right? That was it. That that was the, the lesson last week, really. Yeah, so we learned from Psalm 127 that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And God is not just using parents to build children, God is using children to build parents. We see it here in verse one of Psalm 127, read along with me. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to bed. 
eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. And so verse three, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Then the key verse, verse four, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is filled with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So we found out there's all kinds of metaphors in this language here about parenting. And the first thing that we learned was that these his children are like arrows, right? Children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. We as parents, we open our hand and God plops an arrow right down there in our hands. The only problem is the arrows that come into our hands are never quite this straight. They're broken, they're bent, they don't fly straight. So the job of a parent is to straighten the arrow. So it flies straight, sharpen the tip of the arrow so that when it arrives, it makes impact. And then one day we're going to shoot these arrows, right? So it's our job to straighten the arrows as parents. And children are like these arrows. But there's another metaphor in here. Again, if you look at verse 4, uh, children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. But then if, if that's true, then this is also true. Parents are like warriors in the hand of of God. But what's so interesting about that is there's so many parents who are oblivious that there's war going on. Parenting is war. Some of you are like, you didn't have to tell me that. You show up in my home, you'll see it for sure. No, no, listen, it's important that you identify who the enemy is. Your children are not the enemy. Your children are the weapons to be used against the enemy. Parents are warriors in the hand of God. Children are arrows in the hand of parents. And so it's important that we understand there is a war going on. This is the language that's used all throughout the Bible. It's a war between good and evil. It's a war between darkness and light. And you as a parent are in the middle of this battlefield. Satan is declaring a war against God. He is leading a rebellion against God and he is trying to take you and your children with him. Parenting is war and you are a warrior in the hand of God. Your children are like arrows in this battle. Now we know how the story ends. The victory is already secured. And yet we live in the midst of this battleground and it is a battle for the heart of our children. So parents, your enemy is not your child. Your child is a prisoner of war. And our job as parents is to rescue them and liberate them and get them fighting on the right side. A parent is a weaponized Christian. If you can fight for your children, eventually you can fight with your children. Let's put it this way. Godly parents fight for their kids so that one day they can fight alongside of their kids. 
And so the battleground is for the heart of my children. First Peter chapter five says to parents, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. A lot of times we read that kind of selfishly. As a parent, you need to read that like a warrior and be watchful because the devil is seeking to devour the hearts of your children. And then verse nine is a great promise. Resist him, get in the game, resist him and stand firm in your faith. He will flee from you. That's the promise we have of scripture. So my children are not my enemy. Godly parents fight for their children so that one day they can fight alongside of their children. So how do we fight? I want you to continue to read here in Psalm 128. Psalm 127 flows right into Psalm 28. They both have the same theme. Separate Psalms, but same subject. Notice verse 1 of Psalm 128. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. All in favor of verses 1 and 2 being applied to your family, your children. You want your children to be blessed? Yeah. You want your life to look like that? He's like, I don't want it to look like a war. I want it to look like a blessing. He goes on, verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Now we're talking about grandparenting. Peace be upon Israel. Isn't that a great encouraging verse? That is the testimony of a good, a good fighter who's won the war, a good warrior who's fought and won the fight. So this first verse says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Now, as a goal of a parent, is there anybody in here that doesn't want your children to be blessed? Like, isn't that what you're fighting for? I want my children to be, how many of you want your children to be blessed? I mean, just, that's your goal, right? How many of you wish your parents wanted their children to be blessed? Oh yeah, I didn't really get that parent. Well, the goal of every parent is simple. Simple, simple, simple. Job description. What is it? I want my children to fear the Lord. And I want my children to walk in the ways of the Lord. There's your goal. So how do you get that done? Well, in order to learn how to get that done as a parent, you have to turn over to the New Testament. And probably the most famous verse in the New Testament on the job description of a parent is in Ephesians 6, verse 4. And interestingly, it's addressed to fathers. Let me just say this as a side note. There are some men in here that think that parenting is women's work. Did you know that if you read the Bible, almost Every parenting verse is written to fathers. Parenting is a man's job. Of course, we need mothers. Of course, we need to work together. We complement one another. A lot of times we kind of need the truth and the grace that goes with masculinity and femininity. And together, a child gets a complete human being to help him 
in his life. But notice this verse is addressed to fathers and it cautions us against doing what fathers do when they are out of balance in their parenting. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. What provokes children to anger? Angry fathers. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but do these two things. Bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I want you to look at how these two verses parallel one another. If my goal as a parent is that my children would fear the Lord, what is my strategy for developing the fear of the Lord in my children? It's discipline. And if my goal is that my children walk in the ways of the Lord, what is my strategy? It's to instruct them. So I have two strategies, discipline, instruction, to accomplish two goals, the fear of the Lord and walking in the ways of the Lord in my children. We can say it like this. Children learn to walk in the ways of the Lord through a parent's instruction. Now, this has to do with verbally instructing them on everything from how to keep the baby food in your mouth and not spit it out, how not to throw the juice bottle across the room at your sister, don't do that. Everything from that to here's how you tie a shoe, here's how you make some money, here's how you save some money, here's how you spend money on things that are of value, here's the way that we pray, here's the way that we obey, Here's the way we please the Lord. So my instruction is my strategy to help my children walk in the ways of the Lord. Now, what does Psalm 128 verse 1 tell us is the result of walking in the ways of the Lord. What's the word? Blessed. That's what we all want. If I want my children to be blessed, they have to walk in the ways of the Lord. If they're going to walk in the ways of the Lord, they're going to need a parent to instruct them how to do that. Children learn to walk in the ways of the Lord through a parent's instruction. Secondly, children learn to fear the Lord through a parent's discipline. What's the result if my children fear the Lord? They get blessed. I want my children to be blessed. You have to fear the Lord. How do I get you to fear the Lord? Through a parent's loving discipline, instruction and discipline. Let's put it this way here. Let me show you, show you one other verse here. This one's going to freak you out. Can you handle it? Put your seatbelt on. Don't start a protest until you completely understand what you're protesting. Okay. Here's the verse. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, whoever spares the rod hates his son. Now, let me just kind of ask you to set that on the shelf for a little bit. Uh, come back next week. We will talk about the rod. Okay, don't want to get into all that right now, but I do want you to notice the second part of the verse. He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And do you see these two words? Love and discipline. He who loves him disciplines him. Some of you would say, oh, I just love my little sweetie so much. I could just never dream of telling them no. I, I just, they want it. They, they say they need it. I have to give it to them because I love him so much. 
And, and you would never think of telling a child no or saying, no, that's enough, or you can't have that. It's not good for you, or you need to stay within this boundary. I know everybody else is doing it. You can't do it, and you did it, so here's a consequence. Some of you say, I could never. I love him so much. I just can't give him consequences. Look at the verse, folks. Your problem is not that you love him too much. Your problem is you love him too little. You're not thinking about his future. You're not thinking about the eternal pain that he's going to live in. If you are not willing to love him enough to give him a temporary supply of pain to correct his behavior, that's loving discipline. So how are you doing with discipline? How are you doing with love? Let's kind of measure those a little bit. He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Let's talk about those two words, in balance, because this is the biggest problem. We, we don't get the balance right. We love them some days. We don't love them other days. We discipline them some days. We don't discipline them other days. Some days we don't love them or discipline them. We just wish them out of existence, right? <laughs> so how do we do this as parents? Let's, let's use the analogy of the arrows again. And uh, let's say that this arrow represents love, okay? Now, what if, um, what if we did a little survey? We won't do this, but let's say we did a little survey and we somehow were to able to measure the degree of your love for your child from zero to 100. Maybe we ask your child some questions and somehow you got a score from zero to 100 on the love scale. All right, just think about where that would be. And then let's use this arrow to grade your discipline. All right, somehow we were able to survey your children and we got an accurate measurement of your degree of discipline from zero discipline to 100%. All right, now again, we, we rarely get this right, but let's chart it a little bit here because I believe you can put every parent into one of four categories by measuring the degree of love and the degree of discipline. Remember, he who loves his child disciplines him. Now, let me just say as we get into this, of these four different types of parents, you're going to see your parents on this chart somewhere. And it's a lot easier to see your parents than it is to see you as a parent on the chart. You might need to have a conversation with your kid like, which one of these four categories am I most off, often operating in? And on the scale of zero to 100 love, zero to 100 discipline, now they probably lie on the discipline. Oh, you're doing great on the discipline. You know, it's like, you could back off that a little bit and still be great. So, you know, it's, it's an imperfect science, okay? But uh, the Holy Spirit will, will get it right for you, okay? So they'll say, oh, we don't need a lot more love and a little less discipline. You'd be awesome, all right? So let's, let's talk about this. On any given day, you will find me in any one of the four categories, okay? I forget the gospel, I drift into the wrong category, and the same for you. But let's chart it this way and um, use this little scale here. The first type of parent would be what we would call a neglectful parent. This is a parent who has a low degree of love and a low degree of discipline. Now, for each one of these four categories, you can find biblical examples, all right, there's a lot of different examples for this one. Let's just use one. Do you remember the Old Testament character named Lot? He was the nephew of Abraham. 
crazy character in the Old Testament, okay? It's really hard to categorize, really hard to figure out. In, in the New Testament, it calls him a righteous man, but then there's, you don't see a whole lot of righteousness in the Old Testament. So he, here's what we learn about Lot. There was an occasion where he separated from Abraham. Abraham went the right direction. And it, the Bible says that Lot went down to Sodom. Okay, this would be like a weekend in Las Vegas, all right? This is like, you find the worst place, worst influence, red light district, that's where Lot decided, I think I would fit in great there. And I'm gonna move my family there. So he takes his children and he sets up a house in, in Sodom, wicked city. And there's this really crazy story about how God sends two angels as messengers to deliver a message to Lot. And they appear in human form and Lot invites them into his home to spend the night. Now, as they're in the home enjoying dinner, the men of the city of Sodom, does everybody generally know what the men of the city of Sodom are famous for? Okay, they come and they bang on Lot's door and they said, we want you to send those two men out to us so that we can have sexual relationships with them. Yeah, it's, it's like getting into like PG R rated stuff here. And so this is what Lot does. Lot says, no, don't do that. That would be so bad. Don't do that. We do, do not do that. But here you can have my two daughters and you can do whatever you want to with them. What? <laughs> Lot, are you out of your mind? You, you're going to sacrifice the moral purity of your daughters so that you can continue your dinner party on the inside. What are you talking about? Now, I don't know about you as a dad. You show up and you want to mess around with one of my daughters over my dead body or you get into them. But this is a public service announcement in church this morning, okay? All the dads with me on that? Are you, you want to fight? You want to talk about a warrior? You're going to see the warrior come out at that point, okay? But not Lot. No, here's my two daughters. Whatever you want to do with them is fine. Just, you know, just kind of leave me alone. And yet... How often is that indicative of our parenting? What, what does a, a neglectful parent do? Well, he, he has no regard for the protection of his children. He has no regard for the direction of his children. He doesn't set boundaries. He wishes he'd never had these children. He goes on with his career. He goes on with his ministry. He goes on with so many other things. His fantasy football league takes precedent over the responsibility that God has given him for his children. He doesn't teach his children about God. He doesn't warn them of the dangers of sin. He doesn't, he doesn't teach the children of the ways of God or the fear of God. He doesn't take his children to church. He doesn't read the Bible with them. He doesn't teach them how to respect authority. He doesn't teach the sons how to respect women. And he doesn't teach his children how to forgive those when they're disrespected by others. He's a neglectful parent. What impact does that have on a kid? Well, it creates a very vulnerable kid. That parent forces his children to learn life from YouTube videos or from iTunes or from the movie theater or from Netflix. And so they learn things that are not true because the parent wasn't there with a high degree of love and a high degree of discipline. Every one of these parenting styles exposes 
an idol in the heart of a parent. Do you know what the idol is in the heart of this parent? It's the idol of comfort. They would rather sit on the couch. They would rather read their Facebook post on their phone to, rather than to engage the face of their child. They would rather go on in their career making money and stacking up trophies rather than going to war for the heart of their kid. It's a neglectful parent. This week I was reading a, um, an article that came out by a young lady named Lisa Brennan. Lisa Brennan is the biological daughter of Steve Jobs. Does everybody know who Steve Jobs is? If you don't, just Google it on your iPhone. You'll figure it out. <laughs> when Steve was 23 years old, he had a one night stand. The girl got pregnant and this baby named Lisa was born. Steve Jobs never took responsibility for her. As a matter of fact, he denied that she was his biological child until DNA tests proved that he was the father. He refused to pay child support until the mother took him to court and he settled in that court that he would agree to pay $385 a month toward Lisa's child support until she was 18 years old. That court case settled four days before Apple went public. Four days later, Steve Jobs was worth $200 million. But he quickly settled that case so that he would be paying $385 for her. Every now and then he would show up and engage Lisa. Actually, before the release of the first Macintosh computer, he released another computer and he named it Lisa. And Lisa was always wondering, was that named after me? So one day she asked him, did you name that after me? No, 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 it had nothing to do with you. He didn't want to attach any responsibility to that child. Until one day, actually he took Lisa on a week-long trip to Europe and they ended up at a dinner party with Bono. And Bono asked Steve, hey, that first computer, did you name that after Lisa? And he turned to Bono and said, yeah, it's named after her. And she turned to Bono and said, he's never said that before. He refused to take responsibility. It was a neglectful parent. Now listen, no matter what other accomplishments you may achieve, if you have not fought for the heart of your kid, you have failed as a parent. And we all on given days fall into this category. We don't want to stay there. Now, some of you just saw me describe your mom or your dad. And there maybe needs to be a heart of grace and forgiveness even at this point so that you can become a better parent than your mom or your dad. Pastor Trent is going to continue the list of four categories of parents next week right here on Resonate. If you want to review any past episodes of Resonate, including the recent 10-week series on marriage myths, you can listen back to them at mygospelcity.org resonate. You know, Gospel City Church exists to glorify God and make disciples. It's pretty simple if you think about it. Glorifying God and making disciples is what we're all about. And that's what parenting is all about too, isn't it? If you'd like to visit Gospel City for a worship service, here's what you need to do. 
Just go to our website, mygospelcity.org, and in the middle, click where you see I'm new here. That's where you'll find all kinds of helpful information for what to expect when you visit. It's also where you can find our street address and service times. Again, our website is mygospelcity.org. Well, next week, more on the categories of parents, and maybe you can see which one fits you best too. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church, mygospelcity.org.